In five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Daniel. This is Daniel. And, and I regret is... doing that countdown the first time. How come? Oh, because oh, you have, have to, to do it every time. Every time. <laughs> 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 That's funny. And this is Carla, and we are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Ba, ba, da, ba, ba, da. Can you hear Boris drinking out of the toilet? Hopefully See, per- it's been flushed. I think it has been, but sometimes he does not care if it's been flushed or Come not. Come on, man. That ain't right. <laughs> Come in does here. he prefer the toilet water over oh, regular yeah, he water? he won't drink, even if it's fresh water. I have yet to do the experiment when I like ladle out toilet water into his bowl to see if he, like, is it prejudiced against the bowl or if the water from the toilet tastes better. It has it should a flavor. Be I'd like you to document when you do that. Okay. It'll be when our daughter has to do a science experiment for school. <laughs> no, toilet water versus tap water. It should be the same. Is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yes. It sits in the toilet, though. I don't like that. <laughs> yep. That's what he prefers. Because there could still be poo-poo particles in poo-poo there. Poo-poo <laughs> <laughs> Poo-poo particles. <laughs> That's like when I talk to dad about Jimmy and I can't talk to him without being like, I took him out. He went pee pee and poo poo. Like, I can't be like. You have to be five years old when you talk about it. I can't be like, he did poop. No, he pee pee and he poo poo. (laughs) That dog ate mom's toms. Yeah, they were pretty bad, actually. Mm, It's okay. You'll buy her a new pair. You're looking at me? Yeah, looking at you. I already bought her luggage. That's nice luggage, too. Mm. Talk amongst yourself. So, what'd you Carla, do? what did yeah. you do this weekend? Oh, I went down to the river. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you have a van? Yeah. Hillbillies. <laughs> did you go whitewater wibble rafting? No, but <laughs> I did go down to the wibble, the Ohio wibble. Did anyone almost get run over by a barge this Not morning? this time. Not this time. Oh, yeah. That was last time. And you're like, you no. idiots. I was ready, except we were out driving, like, we stayed on the river until like 7.30 and then we had this random girl that was with us that we had to take back to a different place. Hmm. A straggler? Was, yeah, she, just... was she drunk though and unable yeah. to walk? No, she was just asleep on our boat. <laughs> and you're like, madam. And <laughs> then she was with this other group of people that we knew and they had already left. Like we didn't wake her your up. Your party has left, madam. So we just took her back. Well, then by the time we took her back, it was like eight something. Mm-hmm. And we were racing against sun sundown. Man. Yeah, so we had to travel like 20 minutes on the boat. We were going so fast to try to beat it because it's dangerous to be out there when it's not light say, outside. Yeah, because you don't have lights on your boat. Or I don't enough. know if they did or not, but so Lewis was really uh, booking. booking it. And then we were like, Literally Is it also dangerous to be driving that as fast. Yeah, probably. We're getting <laughs> airborne like when you hit the every wave, bump, bump, every bump. wave. Yeah. yeah. And then I was ready to jump out and say Bernadette because she's so tiny. She would fly off. And yeah. She would remain airborne for a half mile before she finally <laughs> hit the ground. She's. So I was ready. I was ready. No, it was a good time. Had some fun. Good. Good. I like it. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I am tired because we went out on the river today as well, and it's a three-hour drive. A three-hour tour. Mm-hmm. That's something mom would have said. Yes, it is. But it was a three-hour drive to get home. Yep. I'm glad you came over. You could have just said, nah, man, I'm You tired. would have literally screamed at me and made me feel so no, bad about myself. I would myself. have cried. Yes, she would have. No, you don't understand. She gets to me in a way that one else does. Like, she won't make me cry. Good. Mm-hmm. 
Don't you ever lose he that power. He makes me cry. Him. That's what it is. Don't lose that power. <laughs> as if, as if you didn't make me cry when we were, I was a kid. I did make you, I'm not denying that. And you would just look at me and go, you're so sensitive. Yes. Like so mean. But now you're not as sensitive and you work with a bunch of men. Hey, Carla, I'm not as sensitive, but I'm secret? mad at the world. She's equally as sensitive. Yeah. You just have to know how to get under her skin. Yeah, well, listen, that's we not were, very nice. We were six years apart. So like I would be crying over something. I'm only like 10 years old and she's 16 and is like, you're so sensitive. Listen, I had a lot of problems. I know. not medicated properly. You cannot <laughs> judge me for that. I you know. That's me. like we were, became friends like once that was all passed. And I was like, hey, you want to do a podcast? I was like, okay. Okay, now that we've gotten our family drama out of the way, <laughs> the miniature therapy session with, as Daniel's the therapist, which I don't advise. I would make a wonderful therapist, by he, the way. You would? He would just, he's just there to like help you like seek out revenge. Mm-hmm. He's like, do Here's it. Here's what you do. You just get under their skin. <laughs> It'll make you feel so much better. <laughs> revenge is a dish served lukewarm cold <laughs> <laughs> and then he would probably have like a hundred like five star reviews on yelp like really helped me get back in my asshole sister <laughs> five out I don't of five feel any better about myself but it was fun <laughs> none while of my lasted. problems or problems are fat fixed in fact they're worse so <laughs> five out but of i feel a little better speaking of reviews dun, dun, dun. we still have a lot of like really positive reviews and i'm just feel so good about it because we would get pretty bad ones a lot. And if our podcast dipped below a four out of five I was on iTunes, I was going to feel bad about myself. And it would need actual therapy. And no one can afford that. So it was nice that once we were on PodCoin for a couple of weeks, we got a lot of nice reviews. Because it Thank does take you. some effort to stop and go do that. But when someone stops and goes and does it to leave a bad review. It hurts our feelings. Yeah. And uh, we've slighted them in some way. Like it probably ruined their entire day. First, should I read the good ones or the bad ones? I don't know. Let's read the good ones first. I don't know. If we have to we have to build them up before we knock them we down. We tear it down. I'm not sure we if I read. Um, I'll read a couple now. I feel like, and they don't put them in order all the time either. Have I talked about one where someone was like, "If you don't like it at first, try it." A dot 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 because it cut off the title. <laughs> I'll admit, the ridiculous pre-podcast chatter turned me off the first time I listened. Then I remembered I felt the same way about my favorite murder, so I gave it another try. And sure enough, there was still <laughs> lots of silly pre-show chatter. However, I've listened to about eight shows, and I realized their goofy, often raunchy, bordering on offensive banter is actually my cup of tea. Oh. Oh, I hate tea. Cheerio. <laughs> but pip-pip to you. <laughs> that was Hagama, Hag, Hagama, H-A-G-A-M-M-A. Hagama. <laughs> Thanks for leaving a, re- a review. As, I, As your reward, we're going to have Danielle try to enunciate your name. I slaughtered it. <laughs> the next one is... <laughs> it's like a username. It could be nothing. It's gibberish. S-I-E-G-E-N-L-I-E-D-E. That's gibberish. I don't know. So I'm sorry, but I appreciate your review. Love it. Love, love, love it. Five stars. That's oh, great. Hey, See, hey. that's all it takes. Love you, Skimmingish Man. Um, middle gut annoyed. Best pod ever. I've been listening to true crime for a while now and I have to say this is the best. Not only do you get the facts presented to you cold and hard. Thank you, Boris. Cold and hard like a morgue slab, but you get a comedy act in the beginning. Then the trio banter as any normal family does. Keep it up, y'all. See, that's <laughs> the point. I was normal like, it's just family, family banter. Like, 
People that listen to us probably know us better than half the rest of anyone else in our lives. Half of the world. No one gets me like you guys mm, like do. You guys do. You all <laughs> of us. Suit yourself. This is an act for me. I'm totally different. Your persona. Off, off mic. They're not even married. We just hired him. Yes. <laughs> What's the show where she hires a boyfriend for her sister's wedding? Uh, it's in Europe, though, I think. Uh, what is that? I'm I don't remember. It. I'm not going to get it. Shawshank Redemption. Yes, but that's <laughs> <laughs> that's later. So anyways, yes, we are just our family. This is us. And so people that listen to us know us better than anyone else in my life, really, because I don't have any other friends. That's because you choose to not have any other listen, friends. Friends are a lot of work. I have friends. And it's worth it if they have boats and boats and hoes. <laughs> <laughs> I read something that was like, no, you didn't just because it's hot does not mean you know that man with a boat that well that you should get on it with him. Lewis but you know, right. Lewis. you know, Lewis. That's right. He's all right. <laughs> this one is from Henry 37. The only name I could pronounce. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Really bad. I mean, he could have said more. There might be 20 L's in there. He meant it, but he didn't want to put us down. But I want let's try to guess his age as we read this. Just so bad. Brats. Yuck. What is wrong with this generation? <laughs> they are brain dead, rude, and really stupid. This 45. podcast leaves no doubt. 40 to 45. 40 to 45? Yes. No, we'll think we're... And it's like... No, you're millennials. Yeah. We're all millennials. I think older than that. I think 55. I think Henry... I don't, think so. I don't know. Henry's probably... He's middle-aged. You know, he might just gotten a divorce. I could see that. And he was just looking for a good podcast, and we're just too much It didn't him. hit the spot. We're not his cup of tea. That's okay. We were unable to hit his ear G-spot. Yeah. And that's okay, Henry. That's okay. John Mayer really hits the you ear G-spot. Possibly, <laughs> you could have possibly spared someone... The mistake of clicking and listening on us. So yeah, he's much too old to listen. I'm sorry. You just that's right. We've we're, gotten one we're before. More for middle schoolers, <laughs> yeah, high school kids. I was like, I don't judge our entire generation just by our podcast. Now, Daniel, what? How? How have you? What generation shaped you? Would you say? What generation shaped me? Mm-hmm, that you spend <laughs> the most time around. Oh, people his age. Yeah, probably his age. So the what boomers, is that say? baby? Yeah, angry boomers. So, so that's what he's at. The, yeah, your job. The most time is spent with angry boomers. I think I've looked at mom. I'm like, I can't wait. No, you guys are boomers, all gone. <laughs> boomers are older than that. Okay, yeah, that's, but that's true. What, I don't know what's in the middle. Gen Y. Yeah, I think Gen I know, Y. Is but in the we're middle. not the ones who put linoleum over nice hardwood floors. Henry, yeah, take that, Henry. Damn it, that was so. a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. I spent a lot of time actually refinishing I floors. Yeah. Would bet someone twenty bucks he owns a cabbie hat. Yeah, a cabbie hat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I want proof now. Yes, I've only known when we read a bad review once that they've like listened again and then deleted their bad review. Oh, that one that called. Do us we m- make him feel bad? I don't know. I tried to. Well, they gave us a one star. Don't like do that guy. I don't know. I sometimes, I'll just like try something new out on like Spotify and listen Mm. to it. If I don't like, I just move on. Yeah, there's so many podcasts. I don't like go around and I'm like, I fucking hate Sheryl Crow. Oh, I do do that though. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't rate it anywhere. No. I don't know the last time I left a review. I need to leave some more positive reviews because it's, you know, it's something You can just tell there's some people leaving reviews that they really value their opinion and they truly believe in their heart of hearts that 
someone else will value my opinion too. And that's how they judge. Like I am so right with the world mm-hmm. that right. this is how it is. I'm on Yelp. I really only go on to put excellent reviews. That guy that punched the TV cannot take a punch. <laughs> that was, <laughs> excellent that TV. That was the best punch. Cannot, cannot take, take a, a punch. punch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've only left like one. It's that my favorite pokey place that's downtown. What I'm is- like five stars. They're amazing. I love this place. Very, that's where she. That's her Pokemon stop. She that's what to. it sounded like. No, it's like sushi in a bowl. Oh, okay. it's Hawaiian style sushi. I've never had that. that I've good. talked to you about it many times. I know, but because I, I like to tell people about it. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. <laughs> Actually, Haley was there today. Okay, everyone here. Yes. Breaking news. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Mom had to poop. Mom had to interrupt the podcast to come in here and take a stinky shit. She said she was down at, you know, the other kid's house and was like, oh, no. She knew she had to go. So she was like, yeah, let's go play on your swing set here. <laughs> she walks in and goes, don't listen. Then we're sitting here in silence. All of a sudden you hear. <laughs> like, and I'm is- like, it happens. I didn't react. She started laughing, though. Our house is too small and not to hear it. things. <laughs> and I had drink of your drink in my mouth. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, this, since our uh, one last week was a little heavier, or more just like, you know, the least satisfaction possible, because it was all unsolved or missing. Oh my God. Can you smell it? it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I told you it's dog. It's like, you know what's happening? It is so bad. There's the return is right outside the door. Mm-hmm. So it sucks it up. <laughs> it is sucking it up and it is returning it to the house. Mm-hmm. It's like at Disney where, you know, they pump scents out yeah, into the, which is into the spaces. Now yeah. it's, it's like here. It's not good, though. <laughs> okay. I've got three cases in one. Three miniature cases, which I've never done before. But there are no rules. In fact, I write the rules. There's no rule. There's one rule. There's one rule. Put your shirt back on. There's one rule. <laughs> Is it Clara or Clara if it's C-L-A-R-A? I think it depends on where you're from. Clara. Clara. <laughs> or Clara. Well, odds are they're from around Indiana. So is it Clara? Yeah. Clara Green was the daughter of a new Statsville, Ohio farmer. Robert Gibson was the son of a new Statsville florist and was a teacher in the village school these are all older by the way clara and robert were childhood sweethearts and appeared to be deeply in love on march 14th 1908 the two eloped and were wed that's how they worded it wed they moved to cleveland where robert continued teaching and clara became a newspaper writer which sounds very forward for a woman yeah I, if i moved to cleveland coffee. i'd become a i'd become a steamer oh there's that humor again (laughs) too much dial it down hopefully hopefully henry hasn't oh henry we probably lost isn't an oh henry something it's a candy bar but i feel like it's a something you should could look up on urban dictionary also oh you're saying it's one of those yeah everything is something on it really is dictionary i'm not looking it up carla i think i am you think (laughs) i did a crunchy chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all it is. To what uh, gir, G-I-R. No idea what that is. Girl. Gir, G-I-R. Oh, okay. What a gir usually shouts when she's in bed with a guy named Henry. Okay. Oh, okay. That's fucking stupid. The thoughts go deep. Is There's that... more, but I don't want to get okay. into it. That's enough. <laughs> crunchy chocolate bar. <laughs> 
Soon the couple came up with a get-rich-quick scheme where they traveled from town to town writing histories of the towns and selling the books by subscription. So basically what everyone does nowadays. Mm -hmm. Monthly subscription to food and clothes and everything else. Their plan failed. So I'm guessing they took money like they were going to write the books and then never did. Robert went unaccompanied by his wife to Huntsville, Missouri on business. However, Clara did come to visit him. I don't know why, but that's where he went. Shortly after her arrival, Robert was struck with an unusual illness. Doctors seemed unable to help him, and he died within a short time on March 18, 1920. That sucks. She acquired 3,000 life insurance policy after his death. In September of the same year, and Clara, now a widow, met Frank Carl in Seneca, Kansas? Seneca? Seneca, Kansas. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you go back over and re-record these? No. Have you fucking... That's why you hear me say it like several times. Then I go, I take it out, me saying it several times. And yeah. I say it right one time and then I leave that part in. Um, Seneca? Seneca? Listen. It's next to Louisville. <laughs> and, Saint, and Saint Louis. Saint, yes. Saint Louis. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. That one actually worked. Okay. <laughs> they were married soon after and with the impression that he was wealthy. Clara and Frank went to New Philadelphia, Indiana. I have never heard of that. You should look it up. It's next to old Philadelphia, Indiana. <laughs> Middle-aged Philadelphia. Yes. There's a New Philadelphia, Ohio. That just comes right up. It's, um, let's say it's between Indianapolis and Louisville. Louisville? Louisville. I mean, I don't really know even Southern how to Indiana. It. It's Southern Indiana. Almost to the border? You probably got an hour to the border. Okay. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere in southern Indiana. It's 92 miles from here. Okay, there you go. Okay. That's enough. And made their home there. It was a tumultuous relationship, however, and at one point, Mrs. Carl filed for filed a complaint for divorce against her husband, which probably wasn't all that common, And in the Hancock Circuit Court. Hand in cock. Cock. Cock in hand, sorry. You can do a demonstration later. No. <laughs> no. Someone at the courthouse asked her what her grounds for divorce were, and Clara replied, if the law did not provide a way, there was always some way, which is, isn't really an answer. That's very vague. In order to get her to drop the divorce. He said he wanted to be in the, stay in the family business, but you're a medical doctor. That's what I told he him. He said it's, it's all about who you know. <laughs> in order to get her to drop the divorce lawsuit, Frank made her the sole beneficiary of his life insurance policy. In 1921, they invited Frank's father, Alonzo Carl, 85, to live with them. After his arrival at New Philadelphia, a mysterious illness afflicted her father-in-law, and he died. Expecting property from her father-in-law, Clara was furious when she found out that it had been given to her husband's brother-in-law, Dr. Isles. He wanted to, the doctor and keep it in the family business. Frank took his father's body to Hiawatha, Kansas. I fucking said that right, right? I think so, actually. Where the father formerly had lived for burial. Clara did not go. She fucked that shit. Frank Carl was a picture of health and was noted for his powerful physique. But within two months of returning from burying his father, his strength left him so fast that he became a living skeleton. Frank died suffering the same illness as his father. The day after his funeral, Clara asked Herman Carl, Frank's brother, to meet with her to discuss obtaining Alonzo's property from Dr. Isles. I don't know what the property was. 
or how big it was, but apparently it was worth it. When both the husband and father-in-law died terrible deaths, the county prosecutor was overrun with letters demanding an investigation. Exhumation of their bodies revealed enough arsenic to kill a dozen men, according to the prosecutor. Clara was arrested and charged in January 1922. Prosecutor Waldo Ging charged that Mrs. Carl killed her husband and father-in-law with slow poison with the sordid aim of gaining for herself their petty fortune. Miss Carl maintained her innocence. Her attorneys say they will show her as a loving wife and devoted daughter-in-law, the innocent victim of an unusual train of circumstances, a.k.a. a series of unfortunate events. Hmm. Prosecutor Ging hopes to prove that at trial that Miss Carl is a, a modern woman bluebeard. Blue. Remember the bluebeard? If you look up that on Urban Dictionary, remember that? What's a bluebeard? You don't remember it? I. It's when... A woman uses the porta potty and the blue dye. Okay, well, what does it actually mean? Oh, it's from it's an old. Who gives a fuck what it actually means? Good it's an Lord. old story where a guy murders a bunch of his wives. Like so, instead of a black widow, it's a blue beard. Oh, the story okay. didn't make a whole. You did look it up, I remember, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And we're just like, oh, okay. Uh, but the porta potty one, you get blue dye up in you, and then a guy goes down on you. And up then in you. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Gross. Hey, I didn't write that. She's an arch fiend, a feminine bluebeard, a guilty wretch, rotten to the core, and a murderess, stated the prosecutor. Well, that's inflammatory language, if I've ever heard mm-hmm. it. During her trial, Miss Rhonda Lohir testified in July 1921, Clara bought arsenic, citing that neighborhood cats had been stealing her chickens, and she said she wanted to kill the cats. That's just mean. That's mean, too, yeah. Evidence of arsenic in her second husband and father-in-law revealed this to be true. An investigation into her first husband's death revealed the same results, so she poisoned him also. So that night when he came home from work, fixed him his drink, as usual. You know, some guys just can't hold their arsenic. Clara was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison at the Indiana Women's Prison at Indianapolis. I forget how old that prison is. Mm-hmm. It probably country. doesn't like our podcast either. No, it's so old it doesn't like it either. <laughs> While in prison, Clara was assigned outdoor work due to ill health. Why would you make them work outdoors if they were ill? And became a trustee, earning the trust of prison guards after three years of good behavior. She was assigned to feeding the prison yard chickens, so she has a thing for protecting the chickens. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. On one evening in early October 1925, she climbed up on one of the chicken coops, hopped the prison wall, and escaped. She evaded police for about a week before her recapture in Columbus, Ohio on October 12th. Good day, good day. At age 54. Clara was paroled on May 26, 1937, 15 years after she was convicted of murder. So she only got 15 years for killing three people. I say that's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) You're like... Good for her, you know. Yeah, really, yeah, I mean, yeah, really I mean, worked I'm out sure. well for her. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was justifiable. Justifiable homicide. Homicide. Okay, you see how short that was? That was like really short. So I have another one. The nation was gripped by details of poisoning and exhumation in the sleepy village of DuPont in southern Indiana. <laughs> you gonna look that up? 
I feel like I've looked this one up before. D-U-P-O-N-T. DuPont. So who used to sponsor Jeff Gordon? Really? Well, it was DuPont, but it, not that. Um, It's also Southern Indiana. What are the odds? Southern I'm really surprised that uh, Danielle doesn't figure out where these places are at beforehand. Same. I have a lot of other work to do. Um, so did we cover something in Hanover, Indiana? I think we probably Or Madison, have. Indiana? Probably. I think that was the guy that had the, the thing in the box on his place. Oh, and then he yeah. had the person in the box. Head and hands. Yeah. So it's uh fairly close to that. Probably about a 20 minute drive. South of us? Or, no, sorry. How far south of us? Central Indianapolis. It is 70 miles. Okay. Okay. Carla, how far is it from Gary? But if you drove like around the entire border of the state first, I mean, hold on, got back to Gary and then drove through the center mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. state, mm-hmm. It'd be approximately sixty nine hours. Sixty nine. Sixty nine hours. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. say that on purpose, knowing that's how far it would be? Are you making that up? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Is it really sixty nine hours? What? How would I even I calculate know. that? I don't know. I How would I, I even begin either. to calculate that? You've... I've had a lot of energy drinks today, so... I can't even do math good. That's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dubon. 15 miles north of the Ohio River. I could have read that next sentence. Fuck you, man. You. Sorry. I forgot. I forgot. 69 hours. How, do, how can you tell if, if your podcast hosts are simply copying and pasting from Wikipedia? Cop- no, this is not Listen Wikipedia. to me, though. I've gotten really good at guesstimating distances by yeah. looking at a map because I said 20 minutes. It was 15 miles. That's pretty damn good. Well, your job, don't you do some of that? <laughs> yum, 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 yum. yum, yum, yum. Even more bizarre was the revelation that the deaths dated back 10 years. Lottie Tot Lachman was a hymn-singing 62-year-old that had scraped her way through the Depression caring for the sick, worked in a feed mill, cleaned houses, sold eggs, and nursed her husband, Frank, who died in 1937. In 1943, Lottie went to work for DuPont businessman Forrest McConnell as a housekeeper and part-time nurse for his invalid wife, Mamie. Mammy? Mammy. <laughs> and his- <laughs> That's what you sound like when you're like when you're mocking somebody. Mammy. Mammy. <laughs> I, I do a lot of mocking. <laughs> Mammy? <laughs> Mammy. Mammy. What was <laughs> Mammy. Mammy. I like that. That's a good grandma name, really. Mammy. Oh. Oh, whatever. And his <laughs> and his ill mother, Minnie. I can do that one. I got that one right. Lottie also operated the McConnell hardware store in a filling station all for $7 a week. All right. That's insane. Oh, get you places. Nope. Both women were subjected to fits of nausea after meals. When Minnie McConnell died in 1945, it aroused a suspicion of Eileen Kirkpatrick. Don't trust anyone named Eileen. Mm-hmm. No. Especially if they come in and make your entire house smell. Yeah. <laughs> Poor mother. A nurse and sister-in-law of Mamie. Mammy. God <laughs> damn it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eileen noticed symptoms of poisoning and requested a coroner's inquiry into the death of Minnie. The results revealed no traces of arsenic, but a high level of... Uh, rat poison. White Castle. Which is arsenic. Shit. <laughs> Lots of onions and pickles um, in the uh, d- uh, um, Heroin. Uh, Profilin. No. Um, doxycycline. This is one I have not heard of. What? I was guessing. I mean, I've heard of it, but I haven't heard of it for the use of killing people. Mercury. Oh, okay. 
Like we had those mercury That's pretty thermometers. extreme. Yeah. yeah. We had those thermometers and it's like now they're dangerous. I don't even know. I don't know. I, you can't you? buy. They don't sell mm-hmm. those anymore. I think, well, maybe they still like outdoor thermometers, but I don't yeah, think anyone I don't know. Makes. I cracked one across the counter before, like it was shaking it and it was too close. And I was like, mom. She's <laughs> like, don't touch it. Because it was like mercury on the floor. Like, mom. I have a vivid so, memory of I got, this. I got two fun stories about mercury real quick. <laughs> okay. One, my mom was making dinner and she had a pot of macaroni water boiling mm-hmm. over the, on the stove. And my sister wanted to miss work. Miss work, miss school. So she walked, took the thermometer. She was telling my mom she was sick, so my mom was taking her temperature because mm-hmm. you know she was calling bullshit. I mean, my mom was my mom was a nurse. nurse so she, yeah, she knew She's if like, we had a fever luck. or not. Yeah. She would call bullshit on you mm-hmm. for sure. So, but she still is going to go through the motion. Give her the th- well. She takes the thermometer out, held it over the macaroni and cheese. It got so hot so fast, <gasps> and she wasn't paying attention. <gasps> the thermometer exploded. All over the macaroni. <laughs> that's a, that's awful. Not the mac and cheese. I hope she, she... was. Her, my brother and I sat back and was like, "Oh yeah, she's gonna be in fucking shit now." Oh yeah, big trouble. At least she yes. said something and then like didn't let you guys all. Yeah, eat you, she could have let you guys eat mercury glass. <laughs> oh my mom, my mom heard that. Oh, and was like, "What'd you do?" <laughs> all you had to do was sit back and watch it happen. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you walk into pouring the. You walk into pouring the uh, macaroni, all of a sudden you're like, why are there shards of glass and what's this little <laughs> ball of red something or other it's floating si- around like in silly. here? like silvery. Yeah. Yeah. The other story is there was an IndyCar driver that had a thermometer break in his house and he called a hazmat team. I think you might have said this before. Yes. And they're like, sir? That is a true story. I have... I have at least two sources on this. <laughs> what they do? Do they send him no. a bill? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, he got fined. Yeah. Oh man. Well, he called. He called like nine one one and said he had a mercury spill. <gasps> well, yeah, oh, that god. sounds massive. Like, oh my god! So they sent a hazmat team, and all they found was a broken thermometer. And they're like, "Yeah, okay. sir, here's your bill." <laughs> um, excuse me. I don't sir. know how mom cleaned it up. I just remember going, "Oh no!" Oh no. I probably did touch the mercury before she told me not to. Yeah, well, that's well, what's wrong well. with you. What uh, you did is you you thought to yourself, oh, she's not going to want me to touch this. So I should touch it All first. right, I'm going to touch it real quick. That's genetic, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. And then you get mad about it. I'm always just a level of mad, no matter what. Yeah, we know. Specimens were also collected from... Mamie, Mammy, which revealed the same findings. They get semen samples? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. That was enough for the Indiana State Police to launch an investigation into the sleep deaths of people who were previously in Lottie's care. Fred Giddings, 89, was a wealthy retired farmer who left his entire estate to Lottie Lockman, who was his housekeeper for nearly eight years. When his body was exhumed, Indianapolis star reporter Charles Griffo reported it was dug from the cemetery it was dug from the cemetery there early today in a ghostly moonlight ceremony, reporters. When Minnie McConnell was exhumed, children sat on tombstones and watched the proceedings with ghoulish interest. I mean, what else People have always do? been interested so in this bored. shit. Nowadays, I have a feeling they, were, they would not allow children. No. Probably not. They're like, well, they're going to be fucked up anyways. It's- Hattie Callahan, 70, was exhumed in the cemetery in Burlington, Ohio. Hattie had left Lottie money and expensive jewelry. Walter Lockman, Lottie's brother-in-law, was also exhumed. Lab tests on the remains of Fred, Hattie, and Walter tested positive for mercury. 
Lottie Lockman was indicted by a grand jury on charges of attempted murder by poisoning of Mammy McConnell. Neither by word nor deed nor thought have I ever harmed anyone. I've never had a bad thought either. Now you've taken it a little fur. I like the way they talk. Mm-hmm. Lottie mumbled from her jail cell. Her home and possessions were auctioned off to pay for her trial, which by all accounts was more sideshow than trial. Spectators, young and old, lunched on fried chicken and popcorn, and the courthouse floor was littered with candy bar wrappers. They I love got, this place. They have no fucking internet, so they're bored, and the only thing going on is if someone kills someone, and then there's a trial. Uh, let's see. I would have been there having a great time. Yep. The highlight of the trial was the appearance of a frail Mammy McConnell who was carried into the courthouse in her hospital bed to testify. So she hadn't died yet. However, the state failed to establish that mercury had been given deliberately to the alleged victims. Allegedly. Which I feel like... Allegedly. <laughs> I feel like they... A jury of 11 farmers and a Madison businessman acquitted Lottie Lockman on April 11th, 1947. Ooh. Mammy McConnell died three days after the acquittal. The autopsy report revealed she had no traces of mercury in her body and the death was attributed to heart and liver ailments. A vindicated Lottie told reporters, truth always prevails. I was like, how long does it take to mercury to leave your system? Or is that something that like lays in your organs for Talks a while? I know. Lockman moved to Dayton, Ohio and died in March 1954. She is buried in the same DuPont Cemetery that became a focal point of her famous trial. You alright over there? Yeah, I'm alright. Are you alright? Yes. Okay. Inez Bernan, 43, and her three sons, Raymond, 23, George, 17, and Robert, 15, moved to Delaware in January of 1948 from Lindenwood, a small community in southern New Jersey. Inez is one of 13 children, and her parents came to Can Adams I County... Huh? It's Inez. Inez. <laughs> Inez. <laughs> I okay, I'm gonna start over. No. Okay. <laughs> Inez. Yes. Oh, man. Like the Inez monster. <laughs> uh, her parents came to Adams County seven years ago from Philadelphia, where her father retired after 40 years service with the Pennsylvania Railroad. I'm going to make a confession here. Wow. You didn't you know what a railroad was. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Railroad? Mm-hmm. I, lo- the- I, I usually try to own the Pennsylvania Railroad. <laughs> what are the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if Pennsylvania Railroad's actually be. one in Monopoly. It's been so long since I fucking played Monopoly. M- Monopoly, like, divides families, so you gotta be careful. Maybe we should play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest here. This case has no connection to Indiana. What? I thought it did. And I think I assumed it was, like, at one point read Delaware County, which is a county in Indiana, and so I thought... She read it and said, Pennsylvania Railroad, that's gotta be here, right? <laughs> well, there was a new <laughs> Philadelphia, Indiana, so... <laughs> Uh, uh, so I'm just gonna be honest. This has no connection to Indiana, but I really thought it did when I was reading it. Well, I guess we're gonna be uninterested now. Go yeah, on, everyone, disengage. <laughs> the beginning of the end for the Brennan family came in late 1948 when a 60 year old New Hampshire farmer named Hugo Schultz told his neighbors that he had done the darndest thing <laughs> and was moving to Delaware to take a mail order bride. He said her name was Inez Inez <laughs> Brennan. And she had a farm off Horse Pond Road near Dover. In April 1949, Schultz's old neighbors were returning from a trip to Florida and decided to drop by their old friend. Arriving at the farm, they were greeted by a middle-aged, heavy-set woman that they assumed was now the new Mrs. Schultz. Instead, the woman said she had never heard of Hugo Any Schultz. Any relation to Dr. Schultz? I'm not sure. 
and that and her name was Inez Brennan. When the couple pressured her, she suddenly recalled that Schultz had stopped by for a short visit and then headed to Virginia to marry someone else. He's got options. And they're like, sure. The couple didn't know it, but Hugo Schultz was at the Horse Pond Road farm. In fact, Hugo Schultz was part of the farm. The night after Hugo turned down Inez's request for a loan, she put five sleeping pills in his evening meal. The pills had little or no effect. The next night, she upped the dose to 17 pills, but again, Hugo simply woke up tired. <laughs> I me every day. Inez, Inez pulled out her big gun. She laced his soup with arsenic, which made him sick, but didn't kill him. She's really failing. This wasn't the first time Inez arsenic soup failed to work. Her second husband divorced her after he became ill from a meal she served and had the food analyzed. The test revealed the presence of arsenic. Hmm. Hmm. He paid her $1,400 to be rid of her forever. <laughs> Please <Deal>. go away. <laughs> On January 10th, 1949, when Hugo recovered from his poisoning, Inez turned to Robert for help, but Robert, her youngest son, he's 15, but he balked at the idea of shooting Hugo. My mother killed Schultz with a shotgun as he walked outside of the garage. Robert later confessed to police. She told me over and over I ought to do it. I told her I couldn't do anything like that, so she did it. So I took the shotgun off the wall and I fired two warning shots into his head. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there, if you'd have heard it, I bet you you would have done the same. Murdered in New Hampshire by the Brennan clan, Schultz's body was shoved into a 55-gallon drum and left near the garage for several days. That's nice. Later, the body was taken out of the drum, laid on the back of his own truck, and covered with a canvas until it could be brought back to Delaware, where it would be buried in the farm pig pen. Before they left town, they sold his 400 chickens and most of his farm implements, including a gasoline motor and a sewing machine to an auctioneer, as well as his tools and house furnishings. They narrowly escaped detection when at the New Hampshire border, they were stopped in Hugo's truck by a state trooper who advised them that the truck had a sheriff's lien on it. Inez followed the trooper to the local police station where she... Oh, we have state troopers in Indiana. Oh, there you there's go. the connection. Oh, there connection! Go. Oh, wow. Followed the state trooper to the local police station where, he paid off, where she paid off the lien with the $400 stolen from Hugo. So she lost it, like, stole money from him to pay the lien on his truck. Yeah. The Brennan pig pen was the preferred burial spot for Inez's suitors. Lying next to Hugo in the pigsty was 77-year-old Wayne N. Wood Woodridge, a Virginian man who had arrived at the farm to meet his future wife around the same time that Hugo was bidding farewell to his friends. Wade was last seen by his family in early October 1948, when his grandson dropped him off at a bus station where he was bound to meet a Mrs. Brennan, who owned a farm in Dover. At the time, Wade was carrying between 1500 and 2000 in cash. When we heard Mr. Woldridge was on his way to the farm, Mother said, Nobody will miss him if somebody puts something through his head, Robert later told police. Within 48 hours of Wade's arrival at the farm, Robert followed his mother's instructions and shot him to death. Robert didn't just put something through his head. He shot the Virginian twice with a 12-gauge shotgun. Good I, Lord. I finished off the old man, Robert told the Brennan household. I shot half his face off. 
Together with his brothers, George and Raymond, Robert dragged the body from the barn where the murder took place and buried Wade in the pig pen. He was way too excited about that. Yeah, it's very belt gunnessy. Triflers need not apply. Yeah. That was good. I like that. <laughs> Shortly after the killing, George lied about his age and joined the Air Force in an effort to get away from the doings of the Dover farm. I can't understand why she killed those two men, George later said. We were never in a financial difficulty. All of us worked and turned over our money to her. One of them Dang. has a conscience. The Bernans then went through Wade's belongings, belongings and kept most of them. She would send one of his expensive watches to her father as a gift. There was another person besides the Bernan clan who witnessed the murder of Wade Woodridge. However, Dolly Dean, a 26-year-old war widow who moved in as a boarder slash home health aide on October 2nd, 1948, after Inez became sick, Dolly was sitting in the kitchen when she heard a gunshot and screams coming from the barn. Robert came into the house and Inez told him to take a knife and finish the job. Instead, Robert went back to the barn and pumped another slug into his victim. The screaming stopped. So, turns out young kids aren't real great at killing people quickly. Yeah. I felt terrible, she would tell police. Bobby got down on his knees and said he was very sorry he upset me. Well, we all stayed in the living room until about 9 p.m. Inez read a magazine. The family hinted that Dolly could share the same fate if she talked. Damn. Damn. Schultz wasn't the first man who Inez tried to rip off. In January 1948, a New Jersey farmer, Alonzo Hayes, loaned her 4000 for a note on her farm. That was on top of an $800 loan another poultry farmer from Maryland gave her. Hayes was, a, was sort of fortunate. He at least knew where he would have the paper sent when he sued her to get his money back. His lawsuit was unsuccessful, however. The other men simply received a letter from Inez saying, Riding this on moving van, going to new farm. And that's all she would send them in. In March of 1949, Inez decided to sell the Dover farm. When Robert and Raymond heard of their mother's plan, they exhumed the bodies of their victims and in a day-long bonfire reduced the bodies to ashes. They placed the ashes and Wade's false teeth in six <laughs> five-gallon paint cans and took them to the local dump. Which is kind of smart. I mean, if you're still like... I, they tried. The first break in the case came shortly after when Dolly went to the local police and told them there were some strange doings at the farm. Out of fear for her life, she didn't say just what exactly those doings were. I feel that. Police filed away her alert because they didn't have enough, enough to go on. A couple of weeks later, the Dover police received a call from Wade's family asking authorities to check on his welfare. The family hadn't heard from him since his grandson put him on the bus. Inez told police that Wade had been there, but then left. In less than a week, Hugo's neighbor stopped by the police station after leaving the Bernan farm and reported their concerns. The police decided to bring in the Bernans for questioning. Robert broke first and confessed everything. Raymond confirmed that Inez could get Robert to do anything. She's very persuasive. <laughs> he then admitted that he helped move the bodies. Inez held out the longest, but when confronted with the boys' confession, she fainted dead away. <laughs> She's got the vapors. Blop. When she recovered, she admitted that the killings occurred, but denied telling Robert to kill. Finally, Inez admitted her role. The way the boys said it, that's how it was. She sobbed, now get me out of here. I was like, Madam, you're not going anywhere. Madam. Robert and Inez were tried for murder and accessory to murder, respectively, by the Delaware court. At the time, Delaware used Old English rituals in its courts, and during the course of the trial, tip staffs carrying tall spears with heads painted red on one side 
escorted the pair into the courtroom and stood with the white tips toward the court to remind everyone that the defendants were innocent until proven guilty. I'm sorry, what now? So big, <laughs> some guy, like, I don't know if it's bailiffs or guards of some sort. It's more like for flair. And I think there is a picture of them coming out of the courthouse. They have staffs with like arrowheads on the top. And one side is painted white and one side is painted red. So it's like white during the whole trial. And once they have a verdict, they roll it over to red. I don't know how I feel about all this. In September 1949, after a week-long trial, the tip staffs reversed their spear tips when the jury returned with the guilty verdicts. Because Robert was 15 at the time, the offense and ineligible for the death penalty, and Inez could not be punished more severely than her son, the court sentenced them both to life terms. Raymond and George were tried as accessories after the fact and given short prison terms. Robert was paroled in 1959, and in 1965, Inez was freed as well. The state of New Hampshire had wanted to try the pair for Hugo's killing, but because the case had weakened over time and was eventually dropped. And the Bernan family faded away entirely. Very interesting. The end. Has nothing to do with us, though. Nope, Sorry. I was like, why do I have this? We saved? have farms in Indiana. Yeah, we've and pig like, styles. We've got like farm stuff. And chickens, for at least 400. We've got chicken guys. Look at all those chickens. Look at all those chickens. <laughs> okay. All right. I would like to thank our Patreon members. If I haven't pa- thanked you before, but I feel like I have, but I can't remember. So, Tyra, thank you very much. Toby. Toby. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he became a Patreon member. Is this member. a new Toby or a different? No, it's the same Toby. Same Toby. We thanked him last time. We yeah. can thank him again. We can thank him again. And then Barb. Barbie. Barbie's here. All right. So I got a fun I got a fun Barb story from the week. Okay, good. Um, What day was it? Thursday. For whatever reason, people, a couple of people were in my office talking about, we were talking about go, taking taking the kid to the zoo mm-hmm. and then started talking about that that big, that exotic cat rescue yeah that's in town that has you know they've got lions and tigers and, tigers and, and bears, bears. Oh, my. oh my and the, but they have all sorts of other yeah shit you know but somebody somebody had made a comment that they had a friend that had a uh, that had a cougar mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. said i got one of those I call her barb <laughs> <laughs> oh like barbie that. e barbie Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you guys are here for Patreon. We uh, put out two episodes a month, and we wait to the very last two days of the month because that's who we are as individuals. But I promise they do happen. They just happen at the end of the month, like Mm -hmm. a lot of other things Mm -hmm. that I can't think of right now. Mm -hmm. So it's still worth it, I promise. And if anyone wants stickers that is a Patreon member and has not gotten them, you have to send me your uh, address again. If you if you want them, if you send it, resend it. If you want them, send your address so I can send them to you. Yes. Got it? Because otherwise, it's I'm behind, and I don't even know it, which is very common in my life, actually. So thank you very much. Two episodes a month, probably always the last end of the month, which is almost now. And <laughs> we have to record another one. <laughs> okay. We should take uh, suggestions for stuff to do on Patreon. I do. Okay. I ask. I have asked, but so if well, I don't. You you maybe, but no, you haven't asked on here. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask on because here because you can ask literally to cover just about anything. Yeah, because yeah. we cover. It's not just Indiana on Patreon because that we would just and it doesn't have to necessarily be murder. No, we've done the one of Pitcher, Oklahoma, that Carla had found, mm-hmm. and the amount of lead that is acceptable to be consumed. It's low. 
I think I have to poop now. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. My poor house. <laughs> Can you guys finish it without me? Yeah. No, you have to sit here and wait since you wished your mother to poop her pants at Disney I did World. do that. <laughs> Maybe you, it's just a fart. Just sign off. I think you should trust Actually, it. Actually, I think it was a fart. Trust it. <laughs> what happened when you trusted the fart the other day? Well, I, I may have that. left I may have left some tire tracks. Oh. Mm-hmm. Skid marks. Um, that's all I have. Where do they find us? Instagram, Twitter. At Hoosier. <laughs> yep, that too. At Hoosier Homicide and also on Facebook. And you can like the Facebook page. And uh, we're on all the podcast sites as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Until we get kicked off for having dirty poo-poo words in yeah. our descriptions. Henry has filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. Henry? Henry. We have a D-plus rating with the BBB. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and we will answer any complaint made. Yeah. And we and, will most likely lose. But that's okay. Trying. We're always trying. And for honest to goodness... Stay Stay out out of the the corn. corn. And don't trust your farts. (laughs) Okay, Carla, go poop. I think I'm okay. Okay. (laughs) Is that a parent or a child trying to get in here? Probably. Yep, someone's out there. Go lay down. Come here. Team Boris. Maybe he'll get up there. Boris. Oh, I did call him, my bad. (laughs) Come here, get up here. You like me. All right, maybe we're okay. We will be okay. Mm-hmm. Boris, just calm down. It's going to be okay. Pop. Six. Squish. Uh-uh. Cicero. Oh, shit. Pop. Six. Six wives. 
one of those Mormons, you know? So that night when he came home from work, fixed him his drink, as usual. You know, some guys just can't hold their arsenic. He had it coming chicken for dinner minding my own business in storms my husband wilbur in a jealous rage you've been screwing the milkman he said he was crazy and he kept on screaming you've been screwing the milkman and then he ran into my knife he ran into my knife 10 times So this one night before the show, we're down at the Hotel Cicero. The three of us boozing, having a few laughs. And we run out of ice, so I go out to get some. I come back, open the door, and there's Veronica and Charlie doing number 17, the spread eagle. Well, I was in such a state of shock. I completely blacked out. I can't remember a thing. It wasn't until later, when I was washing the blood off my hands, I even knew they were dead. They had it Artistic differences. Pop. Sit. 